Carmen Miksha. And Sophia Miksha, your host of Seeds of Sunshine, a mother-daughter multi-generational podcast filled with laughter, wisdom, and advice. I am a high school student in the Ivy program, a runner, and a sister. I have a BA and MA degree in English and have published three poetry books, a tennis book, and two essay anthologies, which you can find on Amazon or my website, CarmenMixaBooks.com. I am also the broker CEO of Dynamic Real Estate, my own company. To buy or sell a home with me, please visit my website, DynamicSacramentoHomes.com, and mention this podcast for a discount on commission. Thanks so much for tuning in. We promise you Seeds of Sunshine once a week to elevate your lives and dreams through better communication between generations. Carl Beckstrom is a college media instructor as well as the best-selling author, illustrator of 27 multicultural, multilingual books, as well as 65 eBooks. Backstrand has received great reviews from Publishers Weekly, Kirkus, The Hornbook, and School Library Journal. Raised in San Jose, California, he has lived abroad, earned a BA in Journalism, an MA in Conflict Resolution, and a Broadcast and Film Certificate. His Western novel, To Swallow the Earth, won a 2016 International Book Award and was a Laramie Award finalist. Backstrand loves volleyball and singing in rock bands or choirs. His young adult stories, ebook mysteries, biographies, Spanish bilingual books, wordless and STEM books feature diverse characters and usually end with a twist. Welcome to Seeds of Sunshine, Carl. I am honored and grateful to have you on. And how are you today? I'm doing well, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's of course, it's my honor. And um, before we dive into our conversation, I like to start with a quote and a joke. And the quote is from Muriel Spark, who said, people who want to write books do so because they feel it to be the easiest thing they can do. They can read and write. They can afford any of the instruments of book writing, such as pens, papers, computers, tape recorders. And generally, by the time they have reached this decision, they have had a simple education. <laughs> yep, it's true. Yeah. And the joke, maybe you know the answer. Why was the library so tall? I have not heard this one. I don't know the answer. Because it had a lot of stories. Okay. <laughs> well, my, my daughter, who's still at school today, sometimes she's on interviews with me. She always makes fun of my jokes. She goes, Mom, they're not that funny. <laughs> they're dad jokes. Yeah, exactly. Moms don't quite have the reputation yet for telling <laughs> lame jokes. Yes, yes. Um, so. Um, what is interesting to me um, about you, Carl, you're like many authors nowadays who mix the traditional with self-publishing, and you have done this very successfully. Um, so why don't you tell us what's the difference between traditional and self-publishing, and which one do you prefer, or which one do you even think it's better? Wow, that's a big question. So. Uh... <laughs> I think the biggest things um, that a traditional publisher has is, or used to have, is prestige and distribution. Mm 
Hmm? Nowadays with technology, um, anyone has access to the big distributors or wholesalers. So the, really the only thing left that a large publisher has is prestige. And that's still worth having. I think, you know, if Penguin Random House contacted me about a story, I'd still consider their offer. Although I've, right. worked, I've worked with publishers in the past and I prefer to control the content and the marketing and the money, <laughs> which mm -hmm. are things that traditional publishers put their hands into. And sometimes that's good and sometimes they don't do a very good job. Yes. And so um, you said something very important that you like to control, you know, the story, the publishing, because we know that if you were to write something very timely and you were to say to a publisher, hey, this is very timely, I need it out in a month, they would I, laugh at you. Yeah. Well, even for self-publishing, one month time is pretty quick. You want to have some, some leeway, some time to prepare and get your marketing put together and yes, yes. notice things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so right now you mainly self-publish, is that your preferred way? Mm -hmm. I have my own publishing company now. Mm -hmm. We have about 200 products. Wonderful. That is wonderful. I have my own publishing company too because my first book was, um, you know, pretty technical and like uh, a smaller type audience. It's called Change Your Grip on Life Through Tennis. It's a tennis book. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And so I figured, okay, the best way is to self-publish. And then when I... Uh, finished writing my poetry books, I also felt that they fell into the, you know, self-publishing very easily, especially because each poem has a corresponding picture. So I wanted, you know, I wanted to have both black and white and the color pictures, you know. Now, is your tennis book for teens or for all ages or? For all ages. Okay. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We, just, we just launched a series of, of sports books for kids, picture books for kids on sports. Oh, how wonderful. Oh. Yes. Yeah. So um, you do you do your own marketing as well, Carl, or do you leave the marketing of your books to someone else? So we've tried to pay others to market our books for us. And we found that um, even with traditional publishers, we this is true, I think, of any author. The author is really the best person to market the book. They're the person that's most passionate about it. No one will be more passionate about it than the author. And yes. I feel like, um, yeah, when I've paid outside agencies or other companies to market for me, they haven't done as good a job as I can. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of dedicating that time. Yeah. <laughs> because we authors would prefer to write more than market, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I know exactly what you're saying, because every year I go to um, San Francisco Writers Conference. I don't know if you're familiar. I've heard it's, of it, I think. Yeah, it's one of the largest in the country. And I usually volunteer and I also take a bunch of classes and talk to the publishers. But what strikes me all the time is that publishers are just so inclined to get uh, authors who have a huge uh, social media presence because they tell you upfront, well, we expect you to do the marketing. And then I'm thinking, well, why do I need you? You know? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now I do pay for Amazon ads. Sure. Um, and so that's uh, been a learning process. It's a, it's a very complex system. 
and I'm finally being profitable using their ads, but it mm -hmm. took a while to figure it out. Not that I know it, who, who really understands it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did um, hear from other authors um, that they were very successful with the ads. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't done it myself yet, but like you said, they also said that it's kind of complicated. Yeah. It shouldn't be, right? It shouldn't be complicated. Yeah, it's very complex. <laughs> yeah, a very interesting. And um, do you prefer to write more fiction than nonfiction? Or mm. is it 50-50 for you, Carl? Yeah, I think it's 50-50. Um, no? My favorite books are nonfiction. I love David McCullough. I love history. And so um, I do have a series for children um, on immigrant children that are biographies, you know, nonfiction. Mm -hmm. And I also have a true story about my dog. I have um, a self-help book that is semi-autobiographical. So I like both. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And um, do you also uh, do any broadcast media or like film? You've done some films. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've. Um, when I was younger, I was um, into acting. And so I've been in some productions. I've written a screen screenplay. Um, but for promoting my books, I have found that broadcast media is still very helpful. And rather than pay for broadcast advertisements, I've been able to submit press releases and with some follow-up calls, get on TV stations and do interviews that way, um, get my, my books out that way. Very good. Um, and I love the fact that um, you do multicultural and multilingual books. Um, what is the backstory on this multicultural and multilingual? Do you speak other languages? Mm -hmm. Yes, I grew up in San Jose, California, and it's a very cosmopolitan area. It's um, Silicon Valley. So when I read picture books as a child, so many of the characters were blonde haired, blue eyed kids. And I thought, well, this doesn't reflect the world that I see around me. So I, I decided that if I ever wrote kids books, I would have them reflect many cultures. And I try to do that with all my stories. Yes, I do speak Spanish. I lived in South America for a couple of years and I've had the privilege of um, traveling and visiting other countries. I think it's the best education you can get is to see how other people live. So yes, I write some of my books in Spanish, but I always have a, a native Spanish editor make sure that my Spanish is correct. <laughs> It's very interesting what you're saying. I have a, a good friend here in Sacramento. She works for KCRA News. Okay. Her name is Leticia Ordaz. And her children's book are multilingual. And she, of course, she's very fluent in Spanish. Um, and so she writes them both in English and Spanish. And she had trouble with traditional publishers allowing her to do that. So she ended up self-publishing. Mm -hmm. She's very, very successful, and she goes to many schools all across the country, and it's just been, um, and she keeps writing, and all of them are multilingual, you know. Excellent. Yeah, my first publisher didn't want to do a bilingual book. I wanted to make it bilingual, and he said no. Um, so now, 18 years later, with my own company, my bestseller is my first bilingual book. Oh my gosh, yeah. what's, what's the title of that book, Carl, so that listeners can look it up? Actually, it's my second um, bilingual book. It's Crumbs on the Stairs, Migas mm -hmm. and Las Escaleras. And all my Spanish-English books have um, a pronunciation guide in both languages. 
So oh. you can learn either language. With those. That's wonderful. And you probably have someone else illustrate your books? Typically, yes. I have illustrated um, about six of them. I studied art, but um, the professionals are faster and <laughs> I typically go with the professional illustrators. But you do it all, Carl. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, I've done six of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun to do. I teach a digital media class a couple nights a week at a tech college here in Utah. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like an it's an online or a, a computer art class, basically. And uh, I love it. It's it's all my old art classes come back to mind and I hear my art teachers voices coming out of my mouth to my students. Oh, so uh, besides that class, do you teach any writing classes or any other classes? My undergraduate degree was in journalism, and so I did teach journalism um, at a local university uh, years ago, but I am um, currently teaching digital media. That sounds fascinating. And um, do you feel, since you do the multicultural and multilingual books, do you feel that diverse cultures are well represented in literature or still not as well represented? I think finally they are becoming well represented. Um, just 10 years ago, I was surprised that there still weren't a lot of multicultural kids books, but now there's a great, great representation. And I think the big publishers are, are working hard on that. Um, typically, the quality of the books varied, you know, you'd have good diversity, but not necessarily good writing or good illustrations. So um, now it's they're coming into their own. It's, it's good representation now. That's good. That's good to hear because I feel like we need more and more because we are such a diverse, you know, country and world and it's important. It is. Yeah. Um, I think we we learn because of our differences. I think differences are a gift. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and um, do you have any advice for other people who would like to write their own memoir or autobiography, what will, uh, will your advice be to them? So I've done a lot of um, genealogical research, a lot of family history research. In fact, the immigrant series that I published are stories of my ancestors who immigrated as children. So I have ancestors from South Africa, from Scotland, from Sweden, and they're fascinating stories, um, amazing stories of courage and faith, and they're true. And so I would recommend um, if someone were to write their own story, a simple way to um, get at least an outline would be to um, put down the date of your birth, the date you started school, the date maybe you went to college or got married or started a big job, and, and um, break up those dates with some space in your document. And then as you recall, as you remember important events of your life, go ahead and put those in under the appropriate dates and um, just keep filling in those events. And over time, you'll have a great outline. That would be a great way to start at least an autobiography. For a biography of someone else, um, I've researched these, these members of my family. And um, fortunately, a lot of my family members kept journals or diaries. And so I had their stories in front of me and I could quote them. I had their own words. and could see through their eyes what they experienced. But sometimes there was an ancestor that didn't keep a diary or a journal. And what I did in those cases was I interviewed family members, 
I looked for letters. I looked for other people's journals that mentioned this family member. And through all these other methods, I was able to piece together a biography of someone who didn't even keep a journal. Wow, that's fascinating, Carl. So the moral of the story for our listeners, keep a journal. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Yes, I feel that is so powerful because a lot of times, you know, we do certain things in our lives and we're like, oh, it's not a big deal. But then, you know, generations later, they look uh, back to what happened and they're like, wow, this is a really big deal for that time and for that place and for the situation. Like you were saying, you found really brave stories about your ancestors. Yes. And you've mentioned some something very important, and that is that we may not think that our day-to-day -day lives are very interesting, but, but they are. I had a grandfather years ago tell me that I would find a profession that would bless me and those around me, and, and he said mankind in general. And um, just the other day, I woke up and I realized that I had found a profession that I loved and that I hope benefits others and helps them to know more things and have new experiences. Oh, that is so beautiful, Kyle. I bet it's written down very carefully. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Um, I, my grandma, you know, I started to write when I was about 10, 12 years old, and she always encouraged me. And I wrote, it took me more than 25 years, Carl, to recognize that story. I wrote an article, five things that my grandma taught me, you know, oh, and I published it on Medium on a big publication. It's called The Mind Cafe. They're very picky on the stories they select. And I was blown away how many people, uh, you know, resonated with my story. And they're like, what a sweet story. What a beautiful story. And it took me 25 years to realize that I actually need to write it down, you know? Yeah. And then one of the things that she taught me is to always believe in your writing. Like, obviously, I was writing a bunch of nonsense <laughs> at that time, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, but she was always like listening to me with great intent and concentration. And she would say, This is beautiful, Carmen, keep on going, you know? <laughs> Good for her. Yes. Yeah. Well, she was a teacher. And so she spent all her life, you know, reading a lot, teaching, cooking, knitting. Um, but reading was her biggest and greatest joy, you know? Yeah. 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 Reading can really transport you to other places. It's wonderful. Yes. Um, do you have any favorite authors? What are you reading right now, Carl? So I mentioned um, David McCullough, he writes, well, he's just passed away, but he has amazing nonfiction. Um, John Adams is probably my all-time favorite nonfiction book. And it's funny because even David McCullough said John Adams was kind of an irritating guy. But <laughs> what David McCullough wrote about John Adams' life really was amazing. And John Adams was amazing. Um, I love um, Harper Lee, of course, To Kill a Mockingbird. Yes. Um, so fiction and nonfiction, so many authors that I could rattle off. Um, but uh, I, I would recommend that writers read both fiction and nonfiction. Even if you dedicate yourself to one or the other, it's good to be exposed to both. 
I agree, Carl. And um, I am very fortunate during the pandemic, I set up my own book club because I wanted to select who's in the book club. Like we wanted to read serious books, right? right. Um, and I'm very fortunate. We all happen to be runners, number one. We're all runners. Okay. Um, but what we do, we vote the books and we always make sure we get 50-50, uh, like 50% fiction, 50% nonfiction, you that's, know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, like this year, the biggest uh, one that resonated with all of us was The Empire of Pain. I don't know if you read it. It's it's absolutely incredible and a, a piece of exquisite journalism. Wow. Yeah. I'll have to read that. Yes. Yeah. And it was a pretty heavy book, you know, like 550 pages or so. But we all, you know, like it's so it reads like a novel. It's beautifully written and it's not dry, you know, mm. about the Sackler family. Um, and it was just number one science based on science it was an eye-opener but also the way it was written and researched because you know the author didn't have good access to documents you know wow. so the process took you know it was very uh elaborate and laborious basically yeah yeah but i agree with you and i love the fact that you do a spread you know uh of uh, both fiction and non-fiction I am working on my memoir right now, but after I finish my memoir, I definitely want to uh, dive into fiction. I'm a little afraid of fiction for some reason. <laughs> I can understand that. Actually, um, co-wrote a Western novel with my grandfather after he passed away. My mother, my mother gave me this manuscript, and um, and it's it was a great collaboration. I, mean, I think the reason why we won an international book award was because I was able to. Um, do the character development, um, get the facts right, get the story structure well done. And he had provided this wonderful, beautiful description of the Carson City area, Carson City, Nevada in the Silver Rush yes. era. And so I'm not very flowery, but he had excellent descriptions. And so together we've made a good book. Ah, that's so beautiful, Carl. Um, and so um, what is your advice for people who struggle with their writing, whether it's writing for school, because we're a multi-generational podcast, like writing for school, writing for your career, writing for joy, like we do it. Mm -hmm. What's your best advice for them? You know, often people will say to me, I've always wanted to write a book. And I'll say, really, tell me, tell me about your idea. And sometimes people will say, well, I don't have an idea. And I'll be thinking, you're probably not a writer. <laughs> I, get, I get hounded by ideas. I get woken up in the middle of the night by ideas. They don't let me go. They, they persecute <laughs> me until I write them down. But if you want to write, I would recommend um, sitting down at the same time every day and writing, even if it's just 10 minutes a day. If you will be consistent, that makes all the difference in improving your writing and getting stuff out. I agree, Carl. Um, I was recently a guest on uh, ZB Owens podcast. Moms don't have time to write to read books. Uh -huh. And and I gave this advice, which I read in an article and it makes perfect sense. Um, the advice said, uh, read for 30 minutes and then write for 30 minutes. Good. You know, if you have one hour at your disposal, and, and to me, that advice resonated because I'm a runner. So before I do any serious workout, I have to do my warm up. 
Yes. So the reading would count for us writers as our warm up, right? Because yeah. we get ideas flowing into our mind. We might really love an image that let's say you used in your book and I'm like, oh, wow, that's so beautiful. Let me see what I can come up with, you know? Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah. The reason, the reason I say 10 minutes, of course you want to write more, but sometimes you, 10 minutes is all you have. But if, yes. it, if it will help you keep your habit to just sit for 10 minutes and write, then keep the habit. I, I absolutely agree with you because sometimes if you tell a new writer you need to sit for an hour it's it's you know it's scary yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes yes well wonderful at the end of each show we like to sprinkle seeds of sunshine for our listeners so what are your seeds of sunshine carl oh i think it's a, a writing tip that i give everyone and that is to never lose faith in your in your story if you've sweat blood over your book if you've written something and you feel like it's important never believe that no one wants it keep marketing it as if it were new a lot of the big publishers stop marketing books but i'm still marketing my very first book and it's still selling still selling <laughs> because i believe in it and because i treat it as if it's still important very good advice, Carl. Thank you so much. And tell us before uh, I let you go, how can listeners buy your books and connect with you online? Of course, they're on Amazon, on Target.com and Walmart.com. My website is premiobooks.com, P-R-E-M-I-O books.com. Wonderful. I will add this in the show notes. And I thank you so very much for being spending time with, uh, with me today. And I really love every minute of this conversation thank you carmen to contribute and support our podcast please become a subscriber or use the coffee app which you can find in our show notes it is greatly appreciated thanks so much for listening sharing and reviewing our podcast to connect please follow me on facebook and twitter at carmen mixa and carmen seeds of sunshine on instagram thanks so much goodbye for now